Don't think the scoring's over. Should be number seven here. Jack Grealish surely on that. This one, the skipper. Yes! Aston Villa in seventh heaven against Liverpool. Captain Jack. Ollie's at the wheel, man. He's doing it. He's doing his thing. Man United are back. Yep, Ole is at the wheel of Manchester United and it seems like the wheels may have fallen off that vehicle there. And another shock result from the weekend, 7-2 at Phillip Park against Liverpool. But we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, as always, you're listening to the Premier League Across the Podcast. I'm your host, Foo, and I'm joined with my other host. Hey, it's Zeke. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? So... Zeke, I think we can both agree, mate. This weekend was a lot madder than last weekend. In a surprise turn of events, yeah, we actually happen to have a even crazier weekend. The Barclays never fails. <laughs> it's like last weekend we were literally saying one of the maddest weekends of Premier League action we've seen in a long time. Next weekend comes, mate. A lot of shock results. Sunday's last two games absolutely ridiculous 17 goals conceded in two games mate <laughs> that's actually unbelievable like it, i saw some stats like the premier league as a whole i would, i want to say it might have even been just this weekend um maybe it was the last two weekends but outscored their xg by like 44 goals or something insane like that that's absolutely mad mate that's fucking nuts and I just realised I'm absolutely poo at maths because it's actually 16 goals, but even still, 16 goals across two games, mate. Madness. Um, Shall we get into the first game, starting with Saturday's early kickoff, Chelsea v Palace. Chelsea winning that one 4-0. Yeah, a very convincing win from Chelsea, which you just have to hate to see. Yeah, it really was, mate. And for me, the reason for that win being so convincing was they've brought him in for his Premier League debut. Ben Chilwell honestly looked like the best left back in the world that game. The confidence he was playing with was unbelievable. Like it, All the skills he was doing, um, obviously he got a goal, took it really well, got an assist, and he just he just looked so good. He looked like prime Ronaldinho pulling out all his step-overs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, a really bad look for me so far because I think I'm on record somewhere saying that I thought that Chelsea overpaid for Chilwell. So uh, let's just hope this is just one of those games where the new signing comes on, everything goes right for him, and then and then he regresses or else I'm going to I'm gonna look like an idiot for that one. So <laughs> Yeah, honestly though, it, it's not just Chilwell. Like, the whole Chelsea squad were pretty solid for a while. In my opinion, the first half was pretty boring, but then obviously... Four goals in the second half. Ben Chilwell, Kurt Zuma, Jorginho getting two penalties. Um, I don't know if you saw, but there was a bit of a spat um, between Tammy Abraham and Jorginho for the penalty. Uh, Tammy was basically... Oh, known. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, he was trying to say that he wants to take it. And then um, good good captaining, really, by Aspel Equator. He came in, he grabbed the ball off um, Tammy, put it into Jorginho's arms and basically said, look, you're having this one. Which I feel like watching your club that is something you want to see your captain do isn't it yeah that's one of those times like really one of the pretty rare times on the pitch where the captain really needs to just like step up and make a decision um and then yeah i mean as did it 
you know, clearly with the respect of all the teammates and the coaches, and I think he made the right decision. I mean, Jorginho absolutely bags penalties for fun. Like, he, he's an unreal penalty taker. Uh, so, yeah, good on us. Exactly, yeah. I, I agree, mate. And um, we were also talking about worrying signs for Chelsea's defence last week. Um, we've obviously conceded three to West Brom, but they brought Asby in to start. Chilwell started, Silva and Zuma at the back. Silva had a much better game. Obviously, he had the mistake last week. Probably a bit nervous as he was captained. But um, they looked solid, mate, overall. It has to be said, though, Palace were absolutely awful. Zaha went missing. And um, in general, they just didn't look on it at all, mate. Palace, like, basically gifted in that win. They played terrible. Yeah, Palace Palace were shocking. Um, I mean, I don't think it's... I think they were due for a, a shocking game, though. Like, they, they've been overperforming thus far into the season and I think like Roy Hodgson's doing a really good job there but at the end of the day like, that team just does not have a lot of talent and they're so fucking old dude like they are so old um and I, really are they I didn't yeah know dude, I mean Crystal Palace I, I think they've gotten a little bit younger this summer but I know like last year last season they had the oldest squad on average in the Prem. I think their average age of, uh, maybe it was even their entire squad, not just their starting 11, but they, their average age was like 31 or something like that. Like so old. Uh, so I think like they were just due for a bad game. Zaha can only carry them so far and do so much. I mean, he was already just way overperforming this season based on what you would statistically expect from him. So, Exactly, yeah, I, yeah. and we, we did mention that as well, didn't we, uh, in last week's, but as well, um, I agree with what you said, they have been over four, and obviously they beat United, um, and then kept it close against Everton, so I was expecting more from them, and I was honestly shocked from the result, but credit to Chelsea, they played really, really well, new keeper came in, which as well I think gave them confidence, um, he didn't really even have much to do though, to be fair, so it'll be interesting to see when that Mendy actually does get challenged. Um, if he's like up to it, they di- they didn't even have a shot on goal properly. Palace, so Mendy was laughing, mate, for his debut. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was as as easy a debut as you could have. And so I've just looked up here. Yeah, the Crystal Palace players like squad age, and they've got twelve players that are thirty and over. Jeez. And then they've got and then they've got another five that are twenty nine another four that are 27 and then they've got just like a sprinkling of of people below the age of 26 like it's they have just an ancient squad yeah so for them as well it's probably worrying for fans is they don't really look like they've got much of a future do they or like at least future stars coming up for them not that i can think off the top of my head anyway no it's super limited i mean palace are gonna have to kind of do what they did with Zaha where they just buy a young like exciting talent that flamed out at a bigger club and then just hope that you can go to a, a, a club the size of Palace and and stand out there where that maybe is a little bit more his level or at least at that you know point in his career I think we both agree Zaha could be a really good player at a bigger team now but for for a few years you know Crystal Palace was where Zaha needed to be and the way that their squad is aging and developing, they're going to have to hit on another 
kind of flamed out young talent. I mean, like a Moise Keen, obviously he just he's not available anymore because he just went on loan, I believe, to yeah PSG. I think it PSG, is. yeah, yeah, yeah PSG. Uh, but like a player like that would be the kind of what you'd expect Crystal Palace to have to go to next if they want to inject any sort of like youth and creativity and talent into their into their squad. Yeah, they they definitely need to get um, not just Saha scoring goals. So they might, I don't believe that um, Io or Io, however you say it, is good enough to be at top. And obviously they had Ben Teke and stuff like that. And Dreadful. he plays, uh, yeah, mate, he's absolutely crap for the mini. He got four goals from last season, which by Ben Teke's standards from in the past, how he was, um, just not what you want from him really, is it? Um, but overall. Good result for Chelsea, 4-0. They really needed it after, obviously, losing to Liverpool and then drawing against um, West Brom, 3-3. So it wasn't really the uh, best of starts for them, so to speak. Um, and then, obviously, in the EFL Cup, they did lose to Tottenham as well. So, well-needed win, good result for them. And Ben Chilwell is looking very promising. Um, next game of the weekend, again, a lot of goals. Everton, 4-2, mate. Everton with a perfect record, still four from four. They're going to win the fucking league. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, the top four this season is literally going to be Everton, Villa, fucking Leicester and probably Arsenal, mate, honestly. It's probably going to be how it is now. They're the only teams that are looking good. Well, I mean, the first half that you guys played against us last week, which, I mean, we still haven't even talked about since we made our predictions, you guys looked like the best team in the world. Like, you guys looked immense in the first half last week. And also, to be fair, you guys have a bunch of players that are out with COVID right now. But... Yeah, but, that's true. To be fair, though, mate, I I was going to mention that game, but then after last night's result, I, I don't really think <laughs> I can live on that high no, anymore, I mean, mate, after what happened. It's a little worrying that even with, you know, you still had a strong lineup. Like, there's still a strong squad that you fielded. Like, that, at least, you know, you look at the pre-match lineup. Yeah, mate, like, 100%. Okay. That, that starting 11 is stronger than 15 others in the league. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. So, you would you would expect them to at least be able to go out there and not get humiliated by Aston Villa. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit worrying, especially if if you guys do go down with injuries at any point mid-season. It's like, wow, it's amazing how you guys can fall off when you don't have your absolute best best players out there yeah definitely mate but for now we'll get into that heartbreak a little later and we'll go to the blue side of merseyside top of the league 4-2 mate dominic calvert lewin is an absolute monster like i don't know how tall he is but when he's on the pitch and he's leaping for those headers he looks like he's about six foot ten he's an absolute unit (laughs) i yeah i think he's six three i believe but yeah, he jumps with just so much power, and he—I mean—he's got a great vertical leap on him too. So he gets so high, he's gets—I don't know—he just the way he flies through the air, it almost looks like Ronaldo. Like he's just—he just literally. That, that's like, what I was thinking, mate. When he when he done that leap, I was like, that is a Ronaldo-esque header. It was yeah. crazy, mate. So but he's, he scored. He's in... off to a stormer of a season so far. Yeah, he scored in seven of their last eight games that he's played. He only played a half against Fleetwood. And in those seven, mate, 
he's had two hat tricks. Yeah, that's unreal. That's unreal. Twenty three years of age, mate. He's got six prem goals in just four games. Um, like he's he's looking like he deserves to be starting for England at the minute. Him and Harry Kane up top could be a lethal force, especially with Harry Kane's uh, assisting. And then obviously another yeah. man we've got to mention for Everton, mate, who we mentioned last week, Hammers again. He's looking like easily the signing of the summer, especially like when you attach value to what he's adding on the pitch for them. Like he's been insane. What do you have? He had two goals, right? Yeah, he got two. So that's his. He's got three in the Prem now in four games. Um, obviously got a couple assists as well, but it's not. It's not even just about his goals and assists. Like the confidence that the team must have, knowing they've got a player of that quality on the pitch for them. It's like surely that gives them a massive boost. Do you know what I mean? And it's showing as they're winning four two. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that is one of those things where you show up every day in training and you see what that guy can do, and you're just like, holy shit! Like this guy plays for us. If like, we can go out there and kind of you you have that belief that all right as long as I do my job then he can win us a game and and mm. that definitely makes players comfortable when you know the players like Everton are full of just non-match winning players that's just what they've been for years they just are full of fine players for the most part but they just don't win you matches and but now they have these players that can go out there be the working man's player do their job and Ancelotti's really good at giving people a job that they're capable of doing and, and getting a lot out of the players he has. And then they know that, that James can just make something happen, you know, find find the through ball or the ball over the top or make you know the nice touch at the edge of the box and lay it off. Or, you know, he's just going to do something brilliant at some point in the game that can win them the game. So everybody's just, they're thriving right now. Exactly, mate. I agree with you. And it's like Dominic Calvert-Lewin been an absolute bagsman. Decore been a rock in the midfield. And they've just signed Ben Godfrey, who is a young centre-back. He's good. He's got experience in the Premier League. Obviously, Norwich did get relegated. But, I mean, he's not a bad addition. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, he's, he's not going to harm the team at all. Exactly, mate. So he's going to do well for them. Um and just, I, I don't know, they're, they're just so good. But for me, the one issue that they need to fix is Jordan Pickford. You're not going to win the league if you haven't got a solid goalkeeper, mate. It showed with Liverpool, we got Alisson. Um, we end up winning the league, winning Champions League, whatever. Like, if you have not got a good goalkeeper, I'm sorry, you you just can't win the league, mate. And Jordan Pickford, you saw his mistake that he did. He's got to do better there. Yeah hands, you know, his his wrists were kind of made out of Pringles there. Like, they just <laughs> gave out the moment the ball hit. I don't really, I don't know what happened, really. Like, it was really bad. I mean, Jordan Pickford's just not good. I think it's full not, stop. I think, I think we've just seen enough over the past few seasons uh, since they bought him that he's just, just not cut out for it. I mean, he's undersized. Uh, he's error-prone. His distribution's fine, you know. I, like, but there's just nothing that he does particularly well. Yeah, like if I was a centre back, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable with him behind me. And like, like you said about his size, mate. He's literally got T Rex length arms, mate. His arms are tiny, <laughs> and he just like he can't catch anything. He fumbles a lot of things. 
Um, I believe he's got for a goalkeeper the most errors leading to a goal in the past like season. I think he's got four, and then Edison's got three. Um, Adrian's probably bloody up there now, to be fair. But yeah, he's just they they need to sort that out. Um, they played really well, but as well, I want to talk about Brighton. They did get two goals. They did play quite well as well. They, I mean, they had the same amount of goal attempts as Everton did. Um, and like we mentioned against about Brighton last weekend against United, they're playing good, mate, but they're just not getting no, they're just not um, getting the results. Do you know what I mean? Like they they're performing well, but they've got three points from four games to show from it. Yeah, it's it's one of those cases where you just hope, like the way that they're playing, they shouldn't be in the relegation fight. Like, they should be competing for somewhere between, you know, 14th and, like, 10th. Um, but they're not getting the results. They're getting a little bit unlucky, a uh, little bit of a tough run of fixtures. And you just hope that, like, they're not going to get into a state where they're losing confidence in what they're doing because, like, what they're doing is working, and it will work. Like, it'll catch up. You know, the results will catch up to what they're doing on the pitch. Mm. Um, but it definitely could be the case where they already know that they're underdogs coming into the season, that they're potentially at risk to go down. You just hope that this these results aren't smashing their confidence because I think if they just keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, they, their first game, uh, obviously, they lost against Chelsea, which, you know, you can argue Chelsea should have beat them. They've got all those players. Um, then they beat Newcastle and then lost to United, which again, shouldn't have lost that game at all. That was the whole after the final whistle thing, penalty got called, whatever. And then again against Everton, they've just lost. But I wouldn't be disheartened by that if I was them. And I wouldn't be worried yet if I was the manager because they, they, they're playing good teams, like you said. And I believe that they are playing well enough to beat the smaller teams. And obviously, losing 4-2, they, they got two goals against Everton, um, played well against them. You know, they did keep up. Obviously, they lost. But Everton are looking the best team in the league at the moment. So, you don't you don't think uh, Graham Potter will be worried, no? No, I mean, yeah. I, I think that if they're smart, they're not going to be worried. Because I think they do know, you know, who they've played how the results have come about. But I do just hope that, you know, the next couple of weeks, say a couple other, you know, questionable calls go against them or they just leak a late winner or, you know, something along those lines happens. I want them to just still like maintain this level of confidence because I feel like they could mm-hmm. be, they could be like two or three unlucky weeks away from then kind of hitting the panic button. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Um, but obviously, we'll find out after the international break how they're going to go. And also, if Everton can keep their perfect record, obviously, the next game for them is the Merseyside Derby. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to talk about when it comes. Uh, next match was Leeds v City. 1-1 that ended up, Zeke. What are your thoughts on that? I mean... Starting to get worried about City, but also like we've been saying all year that like Leeds are actually pretty damn good side, and we think that they're going to be you know challenging roughly around those Europa League spots, maybe just outside, but you know top half of the table. Um, 
But, I mean, mm-hmm. what does City have? Four points now, so far? Four points. Um, obviously, they've got a game in hand, three games. So, a win, a loss, and a draw. Yeah, but so I mean, it's not awful. I'd, yeah, I'd, I would... If I was a City fan, though, I'd be worried. Obviously, Aguero's out now. I did hear that it's potentially for three months. Um, I'm not quite sure how true that is, but it showed how much they missed Aguero, mate. They had 23 attempts on goal, and only two of them were on target, which means that it was 9% of their attempts on goal were on target, mate. That's that's unreal to just be fucking missing the net every time you're shooting it. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely are lacking that like clinicality inside the box that Aguero obviously is just known for. Um, mm. He's made his career on just being absolutely unreal at finding himself on the ball and getting shots off in tight spaces in the box. And they're just, yeah, they're missing that. I mean, they can, they can do what they can. You know, Sterling can always try and do, I mean, he scored a goal doing it in this game, you know, doing his little cut in kind of dance around and, and fire it into the net. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, they're just missing that cutting edge. I mean, I, I, Sané is another player that I feel like, could just make something happen because he was so clinical and he was a lot really clinical finding a pass, you know, like he would just dribble through three people, attract all the attention and then find, you know, the runner that's coming down the other side or, or whoever. Mm, but yeah, exactly. Just, mate. And it's yeah, like, it's not, not even just, um, Aguero, is it? They missing Jesus as well. Now, obviously yeah, he's yeah. got quite a bit of criticism in the past, but at the end of the day, he's still a good goal scorer. He will get your goals and that. And they had to play Mares up top and that Ferran Torres, mate. And like, they, they're just not going to do it. Like you said, Sterling got the goal and Sterling is a good player and can get your goals. But Kevin De Bruyne is missing having Aguero in the box to, you know, get the little tapping for him. Um, obviously KDB did have a really good free kick that hit the post. But as well, I think that they're missing David Silva. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're missing a lot of things. I mean, they, they're still missing at the back, you know, with Laporte's injury, and they've never really, like, replaced company. And I do think they, they well, don't Laporte, have... Well, Laporte actually started, though. Laporte's fit again now. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just... I'm more talking, like, generally just how they've been over... The, you know, because they've been... Like, they're already just in a pretty poor run of form, even dating back to, like, the end of last season. Yeah, and so definitely. I think because when you look at four points from three games, like that's not actually that bad. But we're kind of worried about City because we're still seeing things that we've saw from last season, you know. Yeah, um, true. And it's not even like And Laporte just came points. back, so Yeah, true. And it's not even like the four points is the issue. Like the game they lost, mate, was was five two against Leicester. Do you know what I mean? They got absolutely battered that game. And like it's the attempts on target, like they get I, I don't know if they're going to be all right, like missing missing Aguero and Jesus, because City, the whole thing with them, were, they were ruthless. Do you know what I mean? They'd score four or five past any team. And yeah. now that they're missing their guy who gets them the goals and even the backup guy that gets them the goals, they're going to struggle, mate. But what a game it was. It was so back and forth, just up and down, up and down. Honestly, any team could have won it, literally. like They, they both had so many chances. I think Leeds had like seven shots on goal or something like that, that were on target. And Leeds, again, showing what they can do against City, showing what they're doing against the big teams like Liverpool and stuff. 
like like you mentioned, we said it last week, mate. They're going to be contenders for that possibly top eight spot, Europe, Europa League spaces. Um, I'm excited to see more of them, mate. Yeah, no, I mean Leeds are super fun. They're they're definitely going to be the team to keep an eye on this whole season, and I think it's going to be a fun one just to have in terms of you know. For, for footy Twitter, basically, uh, where it's like that's a team we can all, even though we all kind of hate the clubs that each other support, we can all kind of like watch Leeds and be impressed by what they're doing um, and just yeah. for like at least a little bit, not all just completely hate each other. Um, that's so, I mean, and, and, I, and the way that they play is fun. Like Bielsa has them playing in a fun style. Like we, we already touched on this last week and the, the, the patterns and the um, – the way that they work the ball up the pitch through the thirds. So I won't go overboard on that again, but like, they're just a fun team, man. They're fun to watch. Definitely. And then obviously the reason why City did actually concede, similar to Pickford, mate, Edison error. Edison should have collected that ball. Yeah, Edison, I feel like has been doing that more and more. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe I'm just noticing it more like now because City aren't winning games like they used to. Um, but in my mind, at least, I just feel like Ederson's been getting worse and worse at that, you know, collecting balls and and not making, you know, goal-conceding errors. Yeah, no, it's like I said earlier, mate. It's like him and Pickford. Pickford's first, and then it's him in terms of um, goalkeeping errors leading directly to goals. So, Ederson, obviously, really good goalkeeper, He's got good distribution, everything like that. But he does have that silly mistake in him as well, which is, if I was City, I would kind of be worried. Obviously, like I said, he is a great goalie, but he's making the mistakes, mate. City aren't getting wins. Um, well, uh, we'll have to see how they go. Obviously, international break now, so it is a while um, until we see. But haven't they got, haven't they got you next? Um. Is that actually the next game? Honestly, when international breaks come about, I just kind of like shut off for a little while. Yeah, it's Arsenal next. So yeah, yeah, we do have a yeah. So I mean, yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll see. Um, it again, it's the most Arsenal thing ever for us to be their bounce back game, and they just batter us like four one or three one or whatever. I mean, the classic City Arsenal score over the last couple of years has been three nil. But hopefully we'll at least score one fucking goal. Mm, we'll see how things play out, mate, after the international break. Yeah. Um, and then the final game then of Saturday was Newcastle three and Burnley one. Um, good result for Newcastle. They they played really good to be fair to them. And Burnley, I don't know if I if I was a Burnley fan, I'd be getting a bit worried now. That's three games, zero points. Yeah, I definitely Burnley should be worried, but I definitely I want to focus on Newcastle's attack though. Like they, their attack looked really really fun. Uh, Saint Maxima was is electric. I mean, what he can just when he's on the ball, what he can do, you know, he can change something in an instant. So he's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, he is. And Quick, then, yeah, skillful, Wilson, strong, fucking the lot, mate. Yeah, yeah, has a has definitely a few tricks up his bag. He can he can leave you for dead uh, from time to time. But then, yeah, Callum Wilson is having a time of it at Newcastle. 
He is, mate. Yeah, uh, obviously two goals for him and an assist as well. Um, he's contributed to, uh, well, been directly involved in five out of Newcastle's six goals this season. And uh, here's something interesting for you, mate. He's only had four shots on target. He scored all four of them. And he only managed three goals in his last 28 for Bournemouth. Already flying start at Newcastle, mate, with four this season alone. Yeah, that's a mad stat. You have to think that, I mean, obviously that is going to regress. Like, he's not just going to score every fucking shot that he puts on target. So, you know, he probably won't keep up the same level of goal scoring for him and he won't score at this rate. But, I mean, he... He's always been good. I mean, he was—he had some stretches at Bournemouth where he looked insane. Um, but Bournemouth obviously just, over the years, just kept getting worse and worse and worse and weren't able to supply him as much. But Newcastle, especially with some of the, just the pace and the creativity that they do have, um, it's inconsistent, but when it flashes, uh, it's pretty devastating. And Callum Wilson, it, I mean, he's always been pretty clinical. So him scoring... Four from four isn't super shocking, but you just imagine it will soon. He'll have a few. Yeah, and it can uh, it it'll definitely um, give him confidence. And like you said about Saint Maximum, and another thing with Newcastle, John Joe Shelby's a player I've always rated, mate. When he's on his day, yeah, he he can string passes around, can't he? He's a good player. So they're, they're yeah, looking decent, on his day mate. For sure. Like they've got seven points, four games. I mean. I, I honestly, I didn't expect them to win 3-1 against Burnley. I didn't expect Burnley to win by any means, but I thought it would be more of like a ball draw or maybe 1-0 Newcastle. Um, but like I said, we're in signs now for Burnley. Obviously, they're missing some key key players, um, like Ben Mee, for example. But still, mate, they're, they're just like, they don't even look good. Do you know what I mean? Watching them, they just don't even look like they will get anything from a game. They look terrible, mate. Yeah, no, they don't look good. And you would expect, yeah, this game to potentially be like a boring 1-1 or nil-nil or something because, yeah, when you look at the attackers that Newcastle do have versus the way that Burnley plays, you'd expect that, like, say Maxima wouldn't be able to get, like, you know, the pace that he needs playing mm. against this deep-sitting Burnley team that's going to be compact and, and try and just kind of, like, swarm and maul and kick you. Um, so yeah, I mean, the fact that like, I think Burnley was really well set up to counter against uh, the way that Newcastle were going to try and break them down. And then they still end up, you know, very comfortably losing this game. It's definitely worrying. They're, they're not looking like they're getting, like you said, they just don't look like they're getting anything. Uh, when you watch them play, it just doesn't seem like they're going to find points out of a game. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, you know, it was maybe when Ben Mee's back and, Players like Jay yeah, I mean, that is, and we don't stuff want to like that. that will obviously help them, but yeah, we don't want to underplay how important Ben Mee is to the way they play for sure. Um, Definitely, so that, yeah, I mean, that, that I mean, is huge. But just just not looking good, especially last week, mate. After I said Sean Dyche possibly for England in the future, he's uh, <laughs> he's not off to the best start now, mate. So I'm looking like a bit of a mug, but uh, maybe he'll turn it around. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking then, like a mug for that. I'm looking like a mug for saying that uh, Chilwell was overpriced. So we can just we can change yeah, the podcast oh. name to the two mugs or something. Like yeah, that. mate. Honestly, wait until we get into the Liverpool game. I'm gonna look like a right bell end. Honestly, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, 
Yeah, for uh, Sunday then. Sunday was where the Prem really just got mad, absolutely mad. First game set the tone for this this Sunday, I think. Leicester coming off a 5-2 win against City in the league. Probably expecting them to absolutely pump West Ham, who I think were coming off a 4-0 win um, against Wolves last time out. So they were looking good. And I think we mentioned about their um, their run of form and we said we're expecting them to possibly only get one point. You thought they'd draw against Spurs. I agreed, yeah, they'll only get one point from the next games. And then they come out, mate, 3-0 they beat Leicester. 3-0. Yeah, I, that's... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough that like I can't even say this is the most shocking result this weekend because in the most weekends it would be. Yeah, um, you're right, mate. But this one definitely fucking threw me for a loop. I mean, Mikel Antonio, first off, what a fucking... I mean, he's been a, a bagsman for them ever since taking over for Haller like the end of last season. I think he played like the last 10 or 12 games as their central striker last season and he's been fucking decent and he's he is such a brute like he's just so big and so strong and fast and can jump and yeah he's been really good yeah his post lockdown form was um was great mate i think he won um player of the player of the month in one of the months post lockdown so yeah he he was playing really good he's he's just so quick as well and it's like, like you said, because he's such like a beast, mate. He's he's massive and he's fast. He's aggressive and he's like the one thing I love about him was any ball that Declan Rice or Soychek would put through, he would be running after it, mate. Even if it was like he's not getting onto that, he wouldn't give. He would still just go for it, mate. And West Ham, like not even just the attack from defence, midfield, Declan Rice was unbelievable. Four hours. Um, obviously got an assist, Soychek, um, and Fornals, I think, got a goal as well, didn't yeah, he? Fornals yeah, he did. as well, yeah. Like, mate, they just, they just, like, they played so good, like, all over. I was so surprised at how good of a performance it was. Og Bonner looked insane. Cresswell looked really good. And overall, mate, West Ham, they're they looking decent, mate. David Moyes needs to catch coronavirus or whatever a bit more often, doesn't he? And just <laughs> leave them alone. No, yeah, I mean, fuck's sake, he's just recording himself, like, uh, through hologram, like he's performing at Coachella, and I mean, like, it's, it's, I don't know, yeah, they they look really decent, um, especially for a team that after match week one, everybody was like, oh my god, like, they are grim, like, you know, everybody thought that they were absolutely terrible, and then we played them, and, you know, we won... 2-1, but there was like a little period in the second half where it was pretty nervy. And that actually, that win's looking like a lot more decent of a win now than it did at the time. Because everybody's starting to realize that West Ham, I, thus far, have actually been like a real decent team. They have, mate. I mean, like, they beat Hull 5-1 in the Cup, did lose to Everton 4-1, but their last two Prem games, Wolves... Won 4 0. Leicester, they won them 3 0. That's seven goals not conceding, again, especially against a team like Leicester and Wolves, who are normally so free scoring. They normally play like teams that can get goals, like especially Leicester. And to hold them to 3 0 at their own ground, that's something, you know. Yeah, I mean, two of the best teams in the, the Prem last year. Like, you know, 
Obviously, Lesser didn't finish very strong, but both of those teams were were giving people hell all last season. People, a lot of people, had both of them predicted to be like getting into European places this year. Yeah, I agree, mate. And what one player though for me at West Ham as well, and well, and they all were amazing. But um, Jared Bowen really stood out for me when yeah, he played. He, um, he he got a goal, and he just like. What I love about him is he's only quite young, I'm sure, like 23. But he does, like, he, he's a little bit of a knob, do you know what I mean? He doesn't care, he'll, <laughs> he'll leave afters on you and stuff like that. And he's not really the biggest guy, but he's not afraid to just do the dirty work, throw himself about. Um, and obviously, he got two last week against Wolves, got a goal um, for them against Leicester. Like, he's, he's looking like a really good player. Yeah, I agree. And I... I... <laughs> I like your point about him being a bit of a knob. You do like a young player who's a bit of a shit house and just a bit willing to throw themselves about and not worry too much. I mean, it it scares you a bit because you that tells you that maybe they're a player that's prone for bad injuries down the line. But it's fun while you have him, especially because these young players have energy. And I mean, yeah, he just runs all over the place and just throws himself all about. You know, at yeah, he's a fun player to have. He's a fun player to have in your squad for sure. Definitely, and they just, um, I don't know, they, they were just so good. Obviously, um, Leicester did have the chances. Vardy was through, missed a chip, which yeah. nine times out of ten, he puts that away. And obviously, I don't know if you um, saw the disallowed goal, mate. It was such nice play, but it was literally like just a bit offside, so it got disallowed. But when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's a, that's a mad goal, to be fair. like It wouldn't have changed the result by any means, but you know they, they did have their chances. They could have got a couple goals but West Ham absolutely deserved that win yeah I mean this is a bit of a a blip on the radar for Leicester I mean they're gonna drop games like this from time to time throughout the season they're just not at the end of the day not a good enough team to where they're not going to be expected to lose the occasional game to West Ham you know um Mm -hmm. They definitely showed signs of positivity in this game. I mean, we know what they can do. We've just seen it with them beating City 5-2. So, yeah, I mean, some encouraging signs, definitely some things to go back and work on. But this is pretty pretty par for the course for Leicester. And, I mean, West Ham, honestly, who knows? Like, this could be looking less and less bad by on Leicester's part You know, by the time we get into December, January. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we said um, last week, West Ham one point from the next four. Their next three matches are still Tottenham, City and Liverpool. But um, the way City are now um, and how they could be potentially, we'll have to see how they do um, after after the international break. But um, yeah, West Ham I, I maybe, believe... maybe could be getting more points. Yeah, I, was about, I can't believe I'm going to flip this hard after just one week, but like, now looking at it, I mean West Ham could potentially get something from any of those games. Yeah, I mean, like mate, at least after what we saw yesterday, like anyone can win. Anyone, mate, it's the Premier League, isn't it? It's mad. Yeah, fucking sniff up a little bit of the Barclays. It's just God, the madness, madness, mate. Um, so insane game there. Then moving on to the next game of Sunday, um, I did actually kick off at the same time. It was. Southampton, West Brom, 2-0 Southampton. Um, West Brom, again, they have only got one point from four games. Southampton have won two and lost two. 
Um, they they're looking all right, Southampton. They're doing okay, aren't they? Uh, De Gineppo, whatever his name is, got a goal. Yeah, Gineppo. Uh, Romeo scored for them. Um, Danny Ings wasn't on the score sheet, which is a surprise. But yeah, Southampton two, West Brom nil. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I mean, this was a game that I've I've just had to go back and like look at extended highlights and stuff for. But you know, Southampton definitely looked good. I've thought for a while like they they have the potential to be pretty good. I really like uh, was it Hassan Huddle? Um, yeah, and and so you know they're a fun team. I think they're definitely limited a bit by just talent, but you know both of these goals were were nice goals. You know, Romeo, unbelievable that he was able to even get his foot on that. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of takeaways from this game. It's, you know, West Brom's a team that I expect to lose a lot of the time when they play. Um, Just typically, you know, and then Southampton is, they have this in them. You know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of takeaways. Do you have a lot of takeaways from this? Um, Not really, other than, like, well done to Southampton. Um, you know, it it wasn't even like, obviously it was 2-0, but it wasn't like they didn't deserve it. They absolutely dominated them. They had a lot more possession, more shots on goal. They they just generally were better. But from in terms of West Brom point of view, I was maybe expecting them to score, especially after yeah. you know, putting three past Chelsea so easily. I was disappointed on them. Yeah, sure. same, mate. I was like, I, I was thinking maybe... Um, West Brom would do something. I thought maybe that Robinson would be a bit confident after getting a brace against Chelsea. Maybe he'd do something. He didn't. Um, that uh, Dean Garner didn't really look that good. And now for West Brom, they've conceded the most in the league. So I think they were, I'd probably say, everyone's relegation bets. And uh, they're not doing anything really now to say, look, we're not getting relegated, are they? Yeah, I mean it's tough because like they did look so good for forty five minutes uh, last week, but they are still, you know, I mean I don't know. Any team can put up a, a good forty five minutes on their day, uh, and they still weren't able to close that game out. Whether you think they were screwed out of it or not, um, they never should have been in the position to concede three goals, and they were. So yeah, I think that they're definitely still up there in terms of relegation shouts for the season. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And then I don't know. We'll 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 just see how Southampton get on. Obviously, doing well. Um, see see how they do after the international break. But West Brom still feel they're going to go down. And then the third game, mate, of Sunday, your team. I'll let you take the reins for this one. Yeah. So Arsenal two, Sheffield United one. Of course. Of course, of course, Arsenal conceded the, uh, you know, allowed Sheffield United to score their first goal of the season. It was written in the stars that it would be Arsenal Football Club that would allow. I mean, honestly, to be fair to McGoldrick, though, hell of a fucking strike. Yeah, mate. Speaking of which, last week we were calling McGoldrick dog shit. Goes and does that, like. <laughs> Listen, we are the jinx. Literally, mate. Liverpool are going to lose all their games the rest of the season now. So are here, mate. So let's see, so uh, let's see what happens for them. Alright. Um, but yeah, anyway, so a fucking, a super drab first half. Um, 
just yeah, nothing really going. I mean, Arsenal had an insane amount of possession. I think we had like 76% possession at one point in the first half. Um, but it was just horseshoeing the ball around. Weren't really able to get anything really going. Um, you know, Mo Nenny is still just the most dead midfielder ever. I mean, all he knows how to do is make like eight to... 12 yard passes sideways and backwards. I say this, but he actually ended up having a huge contribution in one of the goals. But I mean, like it was just a very drab, uh, first half, get to the second half at 55 minutes, uh, subs out Eddie and Kedia for Nico Pepe and changes the formation. This is actually the first time since Arteta's come in that we've seen Aubameyang played through the center. So we finally saw Oba through the center, William move to the left, Pepe on the right, um, and Saka kind of playing a bit as like a left-sided 8-10 um, and really playing more of a four at the back rather than you know our 3-4-3 three, three that we've been playing. Yeah. And then he kind of tucking back in as the right back. Um, so this was a shape that was very intriguing, uh, something that a lot of Arsenal fans I think have been wanting to see, and it pretty much immediately paid off. I mean, we worked a really nice move with some nice passes between, um, you know, Pepe and Elneny and, and Willian on the right side and then get it to Bellerin, who dinks it very nicely to, to Bukayo Saka, my beautiful baby boy, Bukayo Saka, uh, who heads it, headed it nicely. And then just like a minute and a half later, Nico Pepe gets the ball from Hector just inside the halfway line and just, runs straight at goal and just puts it as far into the left corner as you can without yeah taking that, it off the post. that goal was like that that was i think pepe saying arteta you need to start me because is it has he started for you in the league yet or it's been willie on every game it's been willie in every game this season so far which has been yeah. frustrating because i think a lot of arsenal fans agree that the end of last season you know the fa cup run uh the community shield against you. Um, did he actually start that game? I think he did. Um, but I know at least the FA Cup run, you know, against City and Chelsea and kind of mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, like Pepe was really starting to shine a little bit. Like he was starting to look a lot more comfortable and be a lot more, uh, a lot more of a presence within a game. And then boom, we go sign William on a free and he starts the first, you know, he starts over Pepe in all of the first games of the season. And it was kind of frustrating, but at the same time, I mean, Arteta has been very, um, you know, it's very much been a meritocracy at Arsenal where depending on how you're training and whatnot, like that's going to be how you get into the team. And so Arteta has been pretty fair and given everybody a level playing field. And I think he's also kind of just trying to demand that Pepe do just start imposing himself on the games every time he steps on and like announcing himself. And I am hoping that this is what, I mean, this was the first time we've really seen Pepe score a goal like this since yeah. we bought him. And this is to, what he did at, this is what he did at Lille. Yeah. To, he Like he was a good player at Lille. And then when, when he signed for Arsenal, obviously um, I was one of them. I was like, mate, Pepe's a bum. But, to be fair to William, though, like it's not like he's not deserving start when he's played. He is, I think he's played like well from what I've seen. Like especially first game of season, he got like two, maybe three assists. Don't know if it got counted for him. I, I think he's looked decent for you, mate. And then 
something that did surprise me, to be fair, um, you can try and lighten me on this. I don't know if maybe he's injured. Um, Nikatia starting and Lacazette not even coming off the bench. Yeah, so on William, real quick, he was immense against Fulham, but also it's now we're starting. It looks like Fulham is like a historically bad team, right? Like they they might go down with yeah. like a a near record low number of points. Um, so take that performance with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, and it really since then he hasn't looked that good. Like he's ha- he's been okay, but. He's definitely been like, he's been lacking. He doesn't have the burst of pace. His passing hasn't been that sharp. I feel like he, you know, there's definitely been something missing. Um, And I think people have definitely wanted to see Pepe take that spot over again. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, the Lacazette thing is interesting. He played the, you know, he scored three goals in his first three games. Um but I think the general consensus, and I would agree with this, is that he didn't actually play that well. You know, I mean, he bundled the goal against you guys and got lucky. He gets it off of a rebound against Fulham. Um, you know, like he he hasn't actually played all that well. And but initially, Lacazette was uh, pipped to come on to replace Eddie. Uh, like Lacazette was warming up, and it looked like he was going to be the one that came on. And then Arteta switched it up and decided to bring Pepe on and move over through the middle. Um, yeah. So I'm, I don't know that Locke is necessarily in like Arteta's bad graces. I know that Arteta loves Eddie, so he definitely wants to give him games. Um, but if Oba ends up moving through the middle, and this is something that we end up going with regularly, which I would like to see, then I would worry a little bit more about Lacazette. Which, oh, I mean, okay. I listen, I love Lacazette. As a person, I, on his day, he can be incredible, but I'm also, I'm not blind. And if I would have, I would move him out today if a good offer came for him. Jesus, that's mad. Um, moving on then, um, to have some words about Sheffield. Um, said it last week, mate, second season syndrome. Will Chris Wilder be worrying now? Like, they, they've not got a point yet. They scored one goal, like you said, it was against you. They've, to be fair, they have only conceded six, which isn't a high number. But again, it's that not scoring the goals that will be worrying. Like McGoldrick, absolutely beautiful goal. Can't take that away from him, but he's still not a good striker. Will Chris Wilder be worried now? Or will the signing of Brewster, who is a proven goal scorer, he did it in half a season at Swansea. He's shown he can finish. He's done well for Liverpool in pre-season. Do you think that will give them maybe that little bit of... um? what they need up front, do you know what I mean? That little bit of fierceness and a finisher and someone that can actually get goals, or do you think that Bruce is maybe a bit too young to be taking that mantle on? Um, Kind of both. <laughs> like, I, we have seen, especially towards the end of last season, I mean, Brewster was just banging them in for fun. Um, So I think it's potentially a really good signing, I, but he's still a little unproven and Sheffield really, really fucking need goals right now. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely starting to get into a bad spot and they have a pretty fucking brutal run of games. Like they, so they play Fulham next, which is obviously they should win that game. If they don't win that game, then it's really, it will be time to start panicking because then after that, then after that, they play Liverpool city, Chelsea, and then West Ham and West Brom. So 
That's at least three very difficult games. Maybe four if West Ham stay in good form. Yeah, and... I, I agree with you, mate. They they absolutely, after this international break, um, a lot of their players won't be on international duty, I assume. They need to come together these next couple of weeks and really get their shit together. Chris Wilder, don't know how he'll be feeling, mate. If I was him, I'd be a little bit nervous. That Fulham game, they need to go out and, in my opinion, absolutely smash Fulham to give them confidence going into them three games. Because, like you said, mate, Liverpool, City and Chelsea, not going to be easy for them at all. Obviously, we spoke about City being a bit shambles and whatnot, and Liverpool will get on to. But still, you can't take away their big teams. Sheffield need that three points against Fulham. Otherwise, they could be relegated, mate. I know it's early on in the season, but if you're getting off to that poor of a start, it's often very hard to come back from it. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, I mean, once we're getting past that Chelsea game, you know, we're we're a good chunk into the season. Like it's still early, but yeah, it you can get yourself in a hole that is incredibly hard to climb out of. And so, yeah, they need to go out there. I completely agree. They need to smash Fulham. I mean, they need to beat them at least in a comfortable way. Like, it needs to not be shaky. Because if they go out there and they're shaky against Fulham, then they're fucked. Um, But if they go out there and they smash Fulham, get a little bit of confidence, maybe they can come away from those next three games with a point, which would be great for them. Um, And then go into West Ham and, and West Brom. And hopefully get at least you know three out of that. Yeah, but if they can if they don't, if they don't do that though, like if they don't beat Fulham and get at least three points out of the next five games, then they're in a lot of trouble. Indeed. And speaking about Fulham, they were the next match. Um, they lost to Wolves one nil. Not really a shock, to be fair. The only shock, I suppose, from that was Wolves only winning by one. I mean, Fulham conceded eleven this season. Only scored three, zero points. Um, we did mention about Wolves um, lacking goals and really not looking the same side. Um, but, I mean, they got the job then. First half was a bit dead. Uh, Neto got the goal in the second half. Not really too many talking points from that game, in all honesty. I mean, it was an expected result, wasn't it? Fulham were going to lose. I think everybody guessed that. Yeah, I think it was expected. And I think you can definitely say that Wolves would be disappointed to... To only have one. Like, I feel like they definitely had more chances. And to be fair, I mean, Fulham actually had a couple of chances late as well. Um, but I know, like, Raul Jimenez had, like, a one-on-one against the keeper and just, like, bangs it straight into his leg. Um, and I feel like there were a couple of other chances that I'm remembering that just didn't quite come off. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, then I think Fulham had one where I think Mitrovic didn't quite get on the end of a, uh, of one that he should have. I don't know. I know Fulham had a couple of chances um, late in the game as well, but I do think Wolves definitely could have had could have had more. Yeah, I feel like it was a well well needed win for Wolves. Um, obviously losing four 0 last week to West Ham, lost three one to City the week before that. Um, so I I think it's good for them to get a win under their belt, maybe. Um, get a bit of confidence back so after the international break they're feeling good and obviously get a clean sheet because they conceded seven in the last two um, <laughs> but again I feel like they will be disappointed to have not scored more against Fulham who have been leaking goals haven't they I mean they conceded three to Villa three to you 
Um, four against Leeds. Do you know what I mean? So they're a team that you can score for fun against, mate. And Wolves just didn't really do it. But shall we move on then to um, where where the Prem gets absolutely nuts, <laughs> absolutely mate? Like honestly, insane. the last two games, sixteen goals between them, mate. And I don't know if my maths is crap or if I'm right. Nine or seven, sixteen. Yep, mate. Oh my, then Man United, Tottenham for the first one. Man United won, Tottenham six. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, this is one where it's like, fuck! It's so fun to watch Man United get battered like this. But oh, I hate that it was Tottenham. Like, why did it have to be Tottenham? Yeah, it's like, well, to, like United, uh, obviously second minute get a penalty. From that point, yeah. I was like, oh, Tottenham are gonna get battered. Then within five minutes, Tottenham are two one up, mate. And Dombele came with another assist to Son, and then it just it just went from bad to worse. Them after that point, didn't it? That little scuffle between Lamella and Marshall, Marshall getting the red, Lamella, um, I think only got a yellow for it. I don't even know if he got booked for that or if booked for something else. But for me, there it should have either been they both got a red, or nothing to both of them because. It was it was absolute handbags, mate. It was stupid. Yeah, I I completely agree. They either should have both gotten equal punishment or nothing at all. And like, I mean, Lamella honestly hits Martial harder and like gets him kind of in the throat. <laughs> and then Martial, I mean, it was fucking stupid that he kind of reached across with his hand, but he he basically basically tickled his chin. And then gets just a straight red and gets sent off, and then the game goes to madness. Like it's, yeah, I don't, I don't like that the ref has just ruined the game there. When I don't think that you can assign blame just to one side. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, in my opinion, um, one of my mates who's a United fan will probably uh, message me about this. But in my opinion, Tottenham were all over them anyway. Yeah, it was only the first thirty yeah. minutes. But like you, yeah, it was a red card, and that definitely plays a massive part in it being six-one. But United's defense need to take a look in the mirror. Do you know what I mean? Straight after that red card, um, who was it? Baye gives it away, in, oh, yeah. in gets intercepted, and then by Kane gives it to Son. Son gives it back to Kane. Three-one. Bit later on, four-one, mate. Luke Shaw, terrible. Harry Maguire turns like a bus, just not good at all. Pogba gave away a stupid penalty. Stupid like, yeah, penalty. red card, I agree, mate, ruined the game. But as well, United need to take some blame there and just admit that they would die of that game. No, I mean, by all means, like I, I think it was pretty apparent that Tottenham were probably going to just come out with the result anyways. And it might have just been you know 3-1 or something, rather. But I, it's still, I, I still just don't like that red card call. But I mean, yeah, Tottenham, Tottenham just played him off the pitch at the end of the day. Um, Bailly's mistake, terrible. Pogba's just diving in for, God, that was just so stupid. Um, Pogba's been dreadful. Uh, he's yeah, been so he bad. Been, literally, like I saw a tweet um, saying like I've watched Pogba play loads. I don't get what the hype is. And I agree with it, mate. I've watched Pogba play plenty of times. Yeah, he's good for France and that. But, like, why Why is he given this status of being so world-class just because 
every now and then he shows a hint of it. Every player shows a bloody hint of it, mate. David McGoldrick showed a hint of it when he scored an absolute <laughs> scream. It doesn't mean he's bloody world class, does yeah. it? So, I don't know. I feel like the reason Pogba was getting his bloody horn tooted so much was literally because of his price tag. So, because his price tag was so high, oh, he is a world class player. He's amazing. He's just not. He's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he definitely looked like it coming out of Juventus, especially you know at that age and everything. But that Juventus side was also, I mean, mental. Um, yeah, they were a freak side, mate. They were well good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he really hasn't done anything at United since uh, since joining for like ninety million pounds or whatever it was to yeah. to keep him labeled as world class i mean yeah like you said he shows hints of it and he definitely has games where he he can pull the strings and really dictate the run of play and and look you know that 90 million pound player but fuck's sake it's like maybe twice a season you're getting that out of him and honestly one of those performances is maybe even in like an fa cup game like it's you know so it's it's pretty bad I, i definitely think we need to get rid of labeling him as world class he he's a pretty he's been a pretty average Premier League midfielder for the most part since he came to Man United yeah definitely and um, as as bad as United were obviously they've just signed Tellez at left back um, so he'll get rid of Luke Shaw who's absolutely dog mate they need a new centre back in my opinion Maguire's not good by stupid mistake <laughs> um, like we can't I know obviously you hate Spurs, but we can't take it away. They they did play really good as well. You've got to give it them. Like yeah. Son Heung-min, you said it last week, you think he's the best player there. And I, in a way, agree he's with so you. Good. Harry Kane, mate, playing really good. Another assist for him. Um, a goal for him. Two goals, in fact, the the penalty late on, obviously. Yeah. Um, they, they just played Was, really, uh... really good, didn't they? They played really well. No, they played really good. Was it Davies that had that pass to uh, Aurier to assist on his goal? Because that uh, pass was fucking great. I, I think it was Hoiberg, wasn't it? Hoiberg. Was it? It was either Davies or Hoiberg. Hoiberg. Um, yeah, but, Hoiberg uh, assisted Aurier. Was it? Oh, it was fucking. That was a great pass. That was. Yeah. I wa- I like rewound that, and watched that one a few times. I just have like a. I love that pass. I don't know that from. You know the center of midfield, just straight through the back line into a mm. into a winger kind of coming inside. I just love that pass. It's so just like a knife through butter, isn't it? Yeah, it's so pretty to me. So honestly, like I I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see something different in United now with um, Tales coming in and uh, Cavani going up top because that'll be good for them because obviously Marshall's going to miss the next game or. I think maybe it's three because it's straight red. Whether it will get overturned or not, we'll see. It was a stupid decision, but again, mad game. Insane play by Tottenham. 6-1. And then just when you thought the weekend couldn't get any madder, mate. Aston Villa 7. What have you gone and done? (laughs) Mate, Aston Villa 7 and Liverpool 2. Honestly, if we record this last night, yeah, I would have been probably in tears. I would have been screaming <laughs> at a certain few players. I will go in on them a little bit, but not as much as I would have last night now that I've had time to kind of calm down. And one thing that I will say I think Liverpool have done, it's a little bit genius, mate. They saw how bad United did. 
So to keep Solskjaer in the job, <laughs> they thought, you know what, mate, yeah. we'll get battered even more. So in a way, it was masterclass by them to keep Solskjaer there ruining United. But um, playing 4D chess, dude, you're fucking yeah. miles ahead of the game. But all jokes aside, Aston Villa seven, Liverpool two, <laughs> Ollie Watkins hat trick, mate. John, not John, bloody Jack Grealish, apparently tuned into Making the podcast. You look like a knob. Yeah, he listened and he said that fucking Welsh boy foo. I said he prefers James Madison, so let me go absolutely ruin him. Three assists he got, as well as two goals. Like, what? He? I, I'll be honest, yeah, the only reason I said that was because I didn't, I've not watched him as much as James Madison. But after watching him yesterday, oh my God, he is, he's actually so, so good. He's such a talent. Yeah, I mean, he's unreal. Like I said, I, I wasn't ready to commit to James Madison over Grealish. At that point, um, I'm glad I didn't commit to that because, fuck, I don't want to be looking like you right now. Because Jack Grealish, I mean, yeah, he's insane. He's He can do everything on the pitch from, like, an attacking standpoint. Um, he can carry the ball. He can find the pass. He can he wins the ball high up the pitch. He can score goals. I mean, I think it was James McNicholas, who's, like, a Arsenal writer for the Athletic. He said that that second goal that... Uh, Grealish scores on Adrian is basically just like a, I know how fucking bad you are. I'm just going to place this right here. <laughs> like it was such a disrespectful little goal. To it looked score so on simple, cause... didn't it? it? It looked like a bloody FIFA goal on amateur, mate. You just press RB, you <laughs> finesse it in and it's that simple. But like, but basically what I think really set the tone for that. And like I said to you last week, mate, about Allison and how much of a miss I think he is. It showed, mate, Three minutes in, he gives the ball away like that. Watkins buries it after Grealish passing it to him. 1-0 down after four minutes. I think then the defence realised, oh, mate, we've got this donkey behind us. And don't get me wrong, he seems a lovely bloke on Twitter, mate, but fucking hell, he's dog. He's absolutely awful. Then, what, 15 minutes later, 16 minutes later, Jack Grealish decides, there you go, Ollie, mate, have another one. And Joe Gomez as well. Oh my God, we said it. We literally said it last week. He he should not the one be starting. Thing we were yet. right about. Yeah, literally the only thing we were right about in the last podcast is that Joe Gomez shouldn't be starting at the minute. Don't get me wrong. On his day, he is amazing. But when he's off his day, he is awful. Him and Adrian. And in fact, I'm not just going to completely pin it on them. The whole team, in my opinion, Bar Sala and Jota show glimpses. The whole team, mate, were off it. He, like everybody, Trent Robertson, first half, yeah, played quite well. Was putting balls in. He seemed to be like our only outlet. Um, but God, seven two. I still like even saying it out loud just seems weird. Aston Villa, mate, seven. Liverpool, the champions, best defensive record last season, mate. We've conceded two less than West Brom this season. How's that happen? <laughs> It it is funny seeing the seventh fucking flying past Adrian with the gold Premier League champions patch on your sleeve. Like it's oh god. Uh, it's, I mean, like I, yeah. So the defense was fucking abysmal. I mean, Gomez was terrible. I mean, Van Dyke has just like that was definitely wasn't his fucking game. It was also one of the craziest fluke fucking games I've ever seen. I mean, how Aston Villa scored. At least three deflected goals. Yeah, they did. At least 
two, maybe all three of them were from outside the box. Like, it, that's fucking insane. And honestly, you have to think that, like, you subtract three of those goals, especially kind of, like, when they came. And, like, that game could be just totally different. But, like, it was, honestly, it was pure comedy. Like, I was just sitting in my room watching that game, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how, it, I was, honestly, I don't even have real, like, words or, like, analysis for the game. Like, I, we can talk about how a bunch of, you know, you guys' players were bad, except for Salah, and that's pretty much true. But at the same time, like, fucking hell, what an unlucky game. Yeah, it was, mate. Like, I don't want to complete... Like, we yeah, we were terrible. But at the same time, Villa were fluky. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, they oh, had, yeah. like you said, they deflected goals. Barkley, mate, for some weird reason... <laughs> He always seems to play good against us. He got a goal. To be fair to him, he could have had a hat trick. Watkins did get a bloody hat trick. Um, but Liverpool, all the fans have said it. All the pundits have said it. We need to stop with this high line bollocks. It's doing absolutely nothing. Teams are finding it out. They're getting in behind us and they're scoring against us. And Joe Gomez just isn't getting back. Put Fabinho there. Thiago, please don't catch Rona again. Come back in that midfield and solidify us. Like, I'm honestly worried now because Allison's apparently out for like four, maybe six weeks. Our next game is against Everton, who are at the moment the best team in the league on current form. And we've got to go and play them with Adrian, possibly Gomez starting. Um ho- hopefully obviously Thiago will be back and Mane will be back. Um Henderson should be back fit by then. Uh, and it just shows well what a miss Henderson is. Like without yeah. him we, we just aren't the same team and it's a shame, and it's without Allison. Like everyone's saying, oh, we missed Manny last night. We missed Manny last night. Like Sala got two. We had eight eight attempts on target, mate, and just couldn't score them. Like Manny, I'm sorry, I love Manny as much as the next person, but he doesn't change that game. It's not just that one play that changed the game. So much needs to be different in that game. Like you said, it was they were lucky. We were shit extremely. Adrian sets the tone by giving the ball away after three minutes. Um. Oh. Mate, honestly, like I'm getting oh. angry again talking about it. Pissing me off. <laughs> the the scenes in a couple weeks' time when James is just zipping balls through that high line to Richarlison. Oh, mate, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin both getting a hat trick, and we fucking lose nine now, honestly. <laughs> like we we really really need to bounce back against Everton and show that like all right, we're not some joke. And I I just like one thing I don't condone is going on Twitter and posting on Adrian's tweets saying, oh, get out of our club, like, giving him death threats, all shit like that. Like, yeah, he's a terrible keeper, mate, and he's absolutely stealing a living, but you don't need to go do that. Just like, oh, God. I honestly, every time I look, like, I'm looking at my phone now, 7-2, and it just knocks me speechless. Honestly, I don't know what to say, mate, other than we were shit. They got quite lucky. They also played well as well as been lucky. And um, we need to bounce back against Everton, mate. We really, really do. Yeah, I I don't have much else to add to that. I think that's completely spot on. Like I said, I, I don't have a lot of analysis. It was just a fucking wild game, and you guys just need to get back on track as soon as you can. Definitely, mate. And obviously, Aston Villa, I suppose we should mention the fact that they're three wins in three games now. Scored 11, only conceded two. Best goal difference in the league currently. Obviously, that result helps. But um, 
mate, we we didn't even mention how we predicted them to be one one, didn't we? Uh, we said one one against Fulham, maybe Mitrovic to score and Villa. Well, I said one zero. I did. I at least oh, predicted Villa okay. to win. Even yeah. still, though, mate, three 0 They played really good, didn't they? Grealish scored that game as well, making me look like a right merg. I'm sorry, Grealish. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're looking good, mate. Do you know what I mean? They've got a yeah, no, Villa. Villa was, you know, a team that was certainly in like the relegation discussion. I don't, I don't believe I've said that I believe they were going down, but I, I thought they were going to be. Or no, actually, I think I might have said that I thought they were going to be 18th. Um, and certainly as of now, that opinion has changed. It's still super early. They've only played three games, but honestly, when you start off this shit hot it's usually a good enough cushion that you can, you know, the magic number 40 points that you kind of have to get to, to, to avoid being in danger of relegation. You know, when you start off with nine from nine right off the bat, that's pretty fucking good. Uh, nine points from nine magic 40 mark, mate. They're a quarter of the way there, basically. So maybe they will stay up. I mean, they're, they're looking really good. I don't know what it is. that's changed. Um, about them, but they are just looking solid. Like their defense is good now. Uh, is it is it Konza? Is that his name in centre back? Konza is, yeah, Ezia Konza or something. Mate. He is a solid centre back and doesn't get as much credit because obviously they've got Tyro Mings as well, who's another beast centre back. So, mate, they're looking good. Ross Barkley debut played really well. Be interesting to see how Villa do. Yeah, no, I mean, I think actually like the addition of Barkley is, is pretty sound for them. I think that's his level where he can go and actually be a really regular contributor. Um, whereas, you know, a team like Chelsea, it's just, he's just not at the level to be contributing enough to a team like Chelsea, you know, when they're trying to compete in the Champions League and compete for titles and stuff. He's just not there. Um, so I think he could actually be really good. I do actually think Potentially, Villa could finish kind of mid-table this year, which I think would be a really good season for them, especially after just narrowly avoiding relegation. So they're definitely a team to look out for. I'm, I'm going to be making some extra effort to make sure I watch their games going forward. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. Same there. I, I need to uh, watch more of Grealish because he's obviously showed me what a player he is. Uh, he's great. And then last thoughts on Liverpool, really, mate. Gomez, get on the bench. Adrian, like, Alisson, I beg you, Alisson, please get fit soon. Um, Fabinho drops a centre-back. Midfield three against Everton for me would be Henderson, Thiago and Genie. Because one of the things I want to say is, what is all this Naby Keita train about? Like, ooh, I'm going to see some Keita magic today. Like, why? Why do people think this? Because he's a bit like the Pogba situation, mate. He does a couple little of good things and it's like, ooh, he's the best player ever. He's not at all. I'm sorry, but he's not. Like, bring Wijnaldum in, have Thiago, and have Hendo, and that should be our midfield three for Everton. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I actually, like, I loved uh, Keita at Leipzig, and I really wanted, like, I he was linked to Arsenal. Those, I think we were, at least at some point, in talks to buy him. So I was, I was pretty pissed off when you guys got him, but honestly, yeah, it seems like, guy saved us a little bit because he really is he's a flash in the pan sort of player like he can look brilliant sometimes but he's just not a guy that at the top level you want in your team 
you know, night in, night out. Like he's just not performing. He's not contributing enough to the all-around game. You know, he, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot more to say on it. I, I really like him. I have really liked him. Um, but at the same time, now that he's not an Arsenal player and he does play for Liverpool, I'm pretty happy that he's turned out to be a bit of a bust. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel I the same know. way about we'll Nobele, In- although he's looking like he might be coming good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, now it uh, won't be a podcast for the next couple of weeks based on Premier League action, but. What we will have for you coming next weekend is um, our thoughts on the transfer window for each team. We're going to be ranking each team from um, worst to best based on their window performances. Uh, deadline day still has about an hour left on it, so there could be some last-minute signings. There already has been some deadline day signings. Obviously, uh, Thomas Party for Arsenal is one of them. Loftus-Cheek could be on his way to Fulham. Um, United, as we mentioned earlier, Tellez and Cavani, and possibly more to come. So look out for that podcast. It should be coming either Saturday or Sunday for you guys. And with that one, um, we'll also have, that... With that one, we'll also have uh, relegation and top eight predictions as well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, forgot about that. Um, so yeah, it should should be a good one to listen to. And um, if you want to get involved and let us know your thoughts on the podcast, be sure to check out our Twitter. It's at PL Podcast. Um, other than that, that's been it. Crazy weekend again, Zeke. Um, madness, mate. Hopefully, when the Premier League returns, we can expect the same. Yeah, insane. Honestly, a, a good international break might be kind of what we need to settle things down a little bit. I don't think we can take too much more madness. You know, in, coming up, it's already been fucking insane. Yeah, like if we if we had this seven two loss. A week later, lost to Everton, mate. Honestly, my head would be gone. I'd be in absolute tears. Yeah, hopefully we can squeak out something against City. That'd be fun. Yeah, exactly, mate. When when the Premier League comes back, a lot of good games on. Um, can we take away Everton's unbeaten record? Will Villa keep theirs? Uh, what will happen with Arsenal City? Um, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As I said, be sure to look out for the weekend's episode where we'll talk about transfers and give our top A and our relegation teams. As always, I've been Fu. And I've been Zeke. Peace out, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.